Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. Hi guys, welcome back to the Beyond Fit podcast. Today's episode is a full-length episode. I do not have a guest today, so I'm doing a little random show for you guys. A few things that have been on my mind, I've had conversations about recently, and or that I just wanted to share with you, etc. So I hope that you guys enjoy this. If there's anything you'd like to see or hear mentioned on a show in the future, be sure to let me know. You can always reach out by Instagram DM is the easiest way at jakeparker.fit. So let's get right down to it here. Four topics I want to cover. The first topic here is the most researched molecule in all of sports, and that is creatine. And it is most certainly that. When it comes to supplements that have been researched and proven again and again, both anecdotally and scientifically, creatine definitely tops the list. So I don't talk a lot about supplements. When you think about supplements, you have to realize that they are in about the last 5% of changes you're going to want to make after lifestyle, diet, exercise. They can help a little bit though. And creatine especially, like I said, has been studied time and time and again to improve muscle gain. But not only that, creatine has also been proven to improve cognitive performance and brain matter. So it can help you think more clearly, have a better memory, uh, help your brain age better, and it can improve anaerobic endurance too. So it can help with your endurance in terms of cardio, running, you know, biking, whatever it is that you do, it can improve that end of the endurance too. So it's not only for muscle gain. I take creatine just about year round. I'll always take a about a three month or so period of cycling off creatine. And it's not 100% necessary in the traditional way that people would think about cycling off. You know, people often hear cycling off and they think of things like pro hormones and testosterone and stuff like that. The only real reason that I cycle off creatine is because it's just in line with my philosophy of not becoming dependent on any one specific thing in my life on any outside substance. So that's the reason I take Sundays off of caffeine totally. That's the reason I try to take a week to a month off of social media in December of each year. That's part of the reason that I fast and do a lot of the other things that I do. I just don't like the idea of being at my best performance wise because of any outside influence, because of any outside supplementation or, you know, anything that is not a part of my regular diet, water and whole food. Um, but that being said, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking creatine year round. I think most people, uh, if you want to cycle off for the reason that I stated, that's great. That's a personal um, discipline sort of thing. But if you want to do that, that's awesome. Otherwise, I would take creatine year round, no matter if you're cutting or bulking, no matter if you're young or old, it really is a supplement that can benefit just about anybody and is super cheap to get too. Um, I think that in the past, a lot of times people, they thought that maybe creatine would make you lose hair, it would make you, you know, bloat, hold water weight, stuff like that. Creatine will make you hold water weight in the sense that creatine just makes more water go into your muscle cells, making them stronger and bigger. And that will be depleted very slightly from going off of it. But you have to understand that 
Uh, upping your body's natural creatine stores is a natural process. Creatine actually comes naturally from foods like fish, especially fish like salmon and red meat. So if you were to eat like a pound of salmon or a pound of red meat, you probably end up taking about a gram of creatine. And the beneficial dose, the dose that we want to supplement with is three to five grams. So that is to say that we can't get enough creatine from whole natural food, unless you're consuming three plus pounds of meat a day, which obviously no one really could or would want to do. Uh, so that's the reason for supplementing with creatine. And again, it will volumize your cells. It will make you stronger and you know, it can make your muscles bigger, obviously in the context of also being in a calorie surplus uh, doing that. The reason that it makes you able to cognitively perform better too, is that it just increases the adaptability of all the cells in your body, making it easier to learn, focus, have better memory and stuff like that. So creatine, I would recommend to anyone. It's studied to be safe. Uh, it is studied to be effective. And I guess one more thing to keep in mind is I know that it is not effective for every person. Some people are genetic outliers in the sense that creatine just doesn't uh, end up having an impact on them for some genetic reasons that are beyond my pay grade. But if you are one of those people and you don't respond to it, A, or B, you're one of those people who it really, for some reason, tends to upset your stomach or make you nauseous, something like that, which I know is another possibility for a small percentage of people, then stay away. Otherwise, I think it's a great thing to include for all the reasons listed. I also wanted to note that when I talk about supplements, I usually include whey protein or any sort of uh, protein powder as a form of whole food. That's how I look at it in my diet. If we were really to talk about the most important supplement, you know, and thinking of whey protein or any type of protein powder as a supplement, I would say that that's by far and away the most important part of anyone's diet, unless you are able to get that 0.6 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight easily through whole food. For most people, it just makes a lot more sense to consume 50 grams or so of protein powder in a day to make up for uh, about a six ounce cut of meat or something like that. It's a lot harder to prepare. It's a lot harder to eat. And so it's easy just to have a shake every day, whether that be around your workout or not is more trivial. And whether you just get it in every day to help increase your overall protein intake is the most important thing. But yes, if we're going to look at whey protein or protein powder as a supplement, that's the most important to me by far. Um, but I usually look at that as more of a whole food, whole natural source of food rather than a supplement. Second topic I wanted to go over today is maintenance when it comes to weightlifting and maintaining your amount of muscle, your physique. It is something that I have been doing for the last couple months or so after going on a period of pretty intense weightlifting to try to increase muscle mass uh, for about two to three months. And that was pretty effective, but it was just, I think it's coming to the point where I'm so advanced in my lifting career, uh, having about 11 years of lifting under my belt and about three or four of those being very intense and focused and being after that, getting over the hump of not doing things very scientifically and evidence-based. Uh, so at this point and with my body structure as well, it's hard to keep putting on muscle and gain additional muscle. It takes a lot of work and effort. And I was able to do that but it was at the expense of eating a lot of protein. I found over a gram of protein per pound of body weight was really effective. Um, eating in that constant calorie surplus, which as we all know, can get kind of exhausting from time to time and just lifting really, really heavy and intensely day after day. Um, again, me favoring intensity usually over volume when it comes to really trying to overload the body. 
Um, but doing that for a few months, I was able to gain a couple pounds of muscle or so. Uh, it's hard to say exactly how much when you measure, but now I'm more in a maintenance zone. I'm not really sure when I plan on getting out um, of this maintenance zone. I think that I'll probably end up losing a little bit of body fat over the next couple of months as I train for a half marathon. I have been training a little bit more in running and cardio conditioning more so than maybe not more so than strength training and weight training, but in addition to, and a lot more than I normally do with my cardio versus strength training and weightlifting. And something I've noticed is that it is a lot easier than I thought to maintain the amount of muscle mass, to maintain the muscle definition, to maintain the strength on my lifts um, that I've built up over time. And that is, I think, again, because something I've stated on the podcast before that for me is really encouraging and is really useful to know is that it only takes about 25% of the stimulus to keep muscle, to retain muscle, to maintain it as it does to build it. So when you think about all that effort that goes towards building new muscle, it's a lot and it's really hard because muscle is very metabolically costly and your body is not necessarily based, you know, someone on your genetics, your body is not very geared towards gaining muscle, putting more muscle on, adapting to more body mass in the context of muscle. It takes more calories to um, retain than fat does. Fat is more advantageous because it can be directly turned into energy. Um, but that's why we love muscle because as we put it on our body, it's hard for it to go away harder than body fat, at least, especially in the context of a high protein um, diet with adequate calories and strength training. And the other thing that we love about building muscle is that it does take up more calories, like I said, and where ancestrally, where our body is still kind of um, at in terms of wanting to hold on to all the calories that it can and wanting to be efficient with not using very many calories. Again, that being advantageous in the hunter gather survivor sort of mindset or lifestyle. Uh, when we put on muscle and we require more calories just to maintain our body composition, that's useful for us in the modern day because we can consume more food. Obviously we live in a very food dense, very widely available uh, culture when it comes to food. And we oftentimes want to eat more without obviously getting fatter, looking fatter. And the short story is muscle, putting on muscle is one way to make that easier. Um, but when it comes to maintenance, you have to understand that keeping on that amount of muscle as much as you can is going to be really important, but it's not going to take near as much as it did to put it on. So if you want to pursue other goals, Again, like for me, my goal right now is training for this half marathon. It really doesn't take that much to keep on your muscle. I'm actually, like I said, I've been kind of shocked of, about how sticky, I guess I would call it, this amount of muscle and this muscle maturity and this amount of leanness um, and just great body composition that I'm proud of and enjoy uh, has been pretty easy to, to keep around. And I think that that is not only a measure of how it gets easier physiologically, um, your body wants to hold on to muscle again, more readily than it wants to hold on to fat. So it'll burn fat for energy a lot quicker than it'll burn muscle for energy. And so physiologically, it just makes sense that you're going to keep on this muscle, but it also has a lot to do with the intuition you build too. And it has to do with the habits that you ingrain as you put on more muscle, as you figure out what it takes to become more muscular and put on more muscle and just adopt a, a lifestyle that's based around 
fitness and looking good and feeling good and retaining muscle and keeping a low body fat percentage, you just over time, over practicing these things, over learning these things, it becomes that much easier to be a muscular and fit and lean person because you've just adopted these lifestyle habits. And unconscious competence is something I've talked about a lot before on the podcast. I love this um, example where it goes, you start out and you have unconscious incompetence where you don't know what you're doing, but you don't even realize that you don't know what you're doing. Then you move to conscious incompetence, which means you know that you don't know very much. And then you can begin on the learning process to learn more. And then you have conscious competence, which means that you know what you're doing, you know why you're doing it, you know how to do the right thing, but it takes a lot of mental effort and you have to think about what you're doing. And then eventually you move to the place of unconscious competence where you just do the right things in terms of keeping your body healthy and fit because it's what you do, because it's intuitive, because it's really easy for you. And you do the right things even without having to think about it on a daily basis and making it conscious. So that's where you wanna move to. And over time, uh, it's gonna be just so much more intuitive and so much easier to keep that body that you love, keep that body composition that you're proud of. And I say that not to brag, you know, oh, look at me, I'm so happy, I'm so lucky, I've, I've worked to get to this point. It's more about just saying that if you are on this path where you're either a beginner or intermediate and this stuff all still just seems hard, it seems very effortful, know that in the future you are setting yourself up to where it's going to be really easy. And it's just going to be one of those parts of life that you have just locked down. And of course, you can put a lot more effort towards it and try to continue to build muscle and try to make your body more uh, advanced and more elite. But you don't have to. You can stay at that very, very above average physique pretty easily. And it's very encouraging because you can do other things. You can focus on other things, other sports, other endeavors, uh, career, you know, hobbies, whatever it may be, and do a little bit of weightlifting and strength training and just maintain and still look and feel great about how you look. So that's very encouraging. That's something that I've taken away from my most recent phase of maintenance. And another one is especially going up and down in terms of kind of maintaining and then bulking getting a little bit more muscle is something that I've done over the past year or so. And the more muscle you develop, the higher you push that peak of how muscular you can become, the easier it is to get back there. And that is to say another thing that I've known to be true uh, academically and scientifically, but have experienced more anecdotally recently has been how you're, you have muscle memory. So if I've gotten to a certain point of muscularity and then I go back down about 10 pounds or so, it's pretty easy to get back to that peak that before was really hard to reach because your body knows that it's been there before and it has that muscle memory where it can get back to where it's been before. Um, a lot of times you might hear about someone who was like really fit in their younger years and then they kind of let themselves go and they get back into working out, into eating right, and they get really muscular and look really great again quickly. And that's because your body does have this muscle memory, this, this retention, this ability to go back and revive its old form. So those are two things that are really, really helpful. And I think should be really encouraging to anyone out there. Uh, my maintenance has been, I think also largely attestable to the fact that I always make sure I put my lifting workouts on my schedule. So I'll at least do three per week and sometimes four or five. If I'm doing five per week, I'm going to do a little extra volume just kind of for fun. Just, you know, see if over time, that's probably going to help me gain a little bit more muscle. It's not really going to be anything that's, that's highly noticeable, but I love to work out and I love having a little bit extra volume when I can, uh, when it's feasible. If I'm going to do three workouts a week, it's going to be everything stacked into three days. Um, they'll probably be a little bit closer to like hour and a half workouts. If it's going to be four, I'll just spread the body parts out a little bit more um, to where everything is about an hour a day. So I just have certain amounts of sets that I want to hit for each body part 
or certain exercises that I want to get, get in every week. And again, like I said, if I have that fifth day, I might do a little extra, but I have always emphasized a little bit more back than shoulders. And then a little bit more shoulders than chest, as far as upper body, uh, my arm volume for the past year or so has been kind of in the background just because I do a lot of heavy rowing and pressing, which takes care of my buys and tries pretty well. Um, but I'll do, usually I'll do back twice a week, unless I'm really running a short week, I'll at least do nine sets for my back. Usually chest is only going to be three to six sets and only going to take place once a week. Shoulders is usually going to be twice a week too, usually getting closer to that nine sets. And then legs, um, squats is the, the big thing to get done there. And the thing that I feel like has the most bang for my buck. After that, I'm just going to do a little bit of isolation for the legs. And that's also going to reach close to that nine sets. So three really hard sets of three for the body parts that I want to improve and less than that for the body parts that I just want to um, keep the same or wouldn't really mind that much if they, if they got smaller in exchange for these other body parts getting bigger. And again, I talk about getting bigger and making gains and it's very, very relative and it's very, very slow over time when you're main, when you're maintaining, but you are able to make some small changes, even in that maintenance level over time. If you are being intentional about the way you're working out and you are really thinking about what you want to accomplish and how to improve and progressive overload, even in the context of not having that extra calorie surplus, just keep in mind, it's very slow and it's probably not something that will be outwardly noticeable at all. If you are in the advanced stage, especially, but even though it's easier to, to, retain your muscle when you're in a maintenance phase, don't get complacent and make sure that you are still getting in the workouts that you need to get in to maintain. The third thing I wanted to talk about here is living with intention. So as you might know, if you've followed me for a while, I'm very big into meditation and mindfulness. And I've been thinking a lot more lately on how to try to live more intentionally. And that comes down for me to just doing everything I do for a reason, whether it be relaxing and hanging out, or whether it be spending time with people, I always try to think of using my time wisely because the older I get, the less time I have and the more sure I become of who I am, the more I just don't wanna do shit because I feel like I have to, or I feel like I should, you know, spending time with people who I feel like I should spend time with or doing things I feel like I should do. I wanna do things that are going to advance me and help me live by my values and help me just have a good time in life, but also, continue to grow and continue to advance and allow myself to follow my ambitions. So I think that one of the really important things, and I mentioned this in my newsletter recently, but you have to be comfortable with saying no to a lot of things because every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So making sure that you keep a lot of time in your calendar open and flexible and committed to doing what you want to do, um, whether that be advance your career, advance your self physically advance yourself mentally by learning and educating yourself make sure you have time for the important things the big rocks living with intention for me means like i said i plan out what i'm going to do to relax i plan out if i'm going to watch a movie or go for a walk or you know whatever it is i plan out time for vacations in the summer and these things are all really important you can't just let things happen to you and you can't just let the reins be taken from you you have to be very intentional about how you relax and recharge because that's going to make you better at the things that you're striving towards and working hard at. So with career, I'm going to be all the better at doing what I want to do career wise, if I'm recharged and sharpening my saw and allowing myself to relax, that's going to make me more of the person that I want to be. Every single thing you do 
can and should be worth your full attention. You should be paying attention to all things and enjoying and appreciating all things. The part that I've tried and tried and tried and will probably always be trying to better understand and better come to terms with in meditation is the concept that we shouldn't grasp at anything. We shouldn't grasp at wanting to keep positive feelings and we shouldn't grasp at trying to push away negative feelings. We should just accept everything as it is and over time try to work towards a life that is more in line with what we want to do, with what we feel is our purpose. And not that I, I almost want to say you want to move to a life where you're feeling more positive, you're feeling better on a daily basis, but that's not necessarily true because while we don't want undue stress, we do want you stress in our life every day. And you stress is just that stress that is positive. So think working out, think pushing yourself to do something new, try something new. That stuff is stressful, but it is a you stress and that it's making us a better person. It's making us better over time. It's sharpening our saw. So I think it suffices to say you should just try to live a life in that you would be happy if at the end of the day, that day was your last day because you were working towards goals. You were also appreciating yourself and having some sense of enjoyment and fulfillment, but also had things that you're working towards. I think there's a lot of merit to trying to enjoy every day, but at the same time, knowing that you're working towards and becoming more and growing and evolving. It's kind of the mix of that is the constant um, thing that I'm trying to work towards in my life. A really good comparison or a really good, I guess you'd call it analogy here is you have to think about the way you spend your time and the things that you give effort towards um, as the big, medium, and small rocks. So every day, basically think about a jar and you want to fill it with big rocks, small rocks, and then pebbles, you know? So if you were to stick all the pebbles in first and then the medium rocks and then the big rocks, you wouldn't be able to fit it all in. But if you were to stick in the big rocks and then the small rocks and they kind of fell in between the gaps of the big rocks and then the pebbles, you put them in last and they fall in the gaps between the big rocks and the smaller rocks, then everything can fit in to one jar. And that's how you have to think about your priorities. You should have the big rocks, family, health, career goals. You should have the smaller rocks, uh, whatever that is to you, maybe reading, maybe mindfulness practice, uh, maybe hobbies. And then you have the small rocks and that's, or sorry, the pebbles. And that's maybe things like social media, watching Netflix, trying new things, you know, whatever it is to you, you have to have these priorities and you have to have your priorities in line where the most important things are taken care of. And that's followed by the less important things. And that is how you really live a full and fulfilled life. So wrapping up here, I mentioned vacation. The last part of this random show, I wanted to mention some tips that I use on vacation to try as best as I can to maintain my body composition and feel good and look good after the vacation. So a big thing is I know that, you know, most of us were going to a city or a new place. I always, if possible, try to walk instead of drive. This seems pretty obvious, but a lot of times we tend to get lazy. So really try to take advantage of the opportunity to go and see sites, see the city, walk around. I always love to walk around new cities. It's just a fun way to go and not spend money and feel like you're really learning about the place that you're in. So that's a big one. Try to do one activity in addition to, so I guess, and, or I like to do one physical activity. Sometimes that means like trying out a new gym or a new yoga studio, but sometimes it means maybe it's pretty easy when I'm at the lake, I'm doing active things. Maybe you go and do some sort of hike or some sort of rock climbing or something new, some challenge that you haven't done before, but something that gets you moving every day is, is really important too, especially if you're not going to have that, that time where you walk around. 
Um, I like to eat two big meals a day instead of three, generally doing some variety of a protein sparing modified fast in the morning where I'm mostly just having coffee. And if I have anything, it's a protein shake. Big key, big kind of hack for me is to bring protein powder and a shaker so I can easily make protein shakes because they're always pretty hard to find. Uh, a good protein shake, not to mention they're really expensive if you just get them at a convenience store or whatever. So bring some protein powder. That usually should be your only breakfast or maybe like your only snack in the afternoon. Um, two big meals instead of three, because if you're like me, you've had those vacations where you go and you eat a big breakfast, big lunch, and big dinner, and you just feel like you've eaten too much. You don't feel good. You feel overly stuffed. I feel the best when I eat, maybe it's one big breakfast or brunch and then a late lunch or vice versa, you do a lunch around noon after you fasted slash protein fasted, and you eat a big dinner. And those two meals a day can be a lot more advantageously damage controlled than three meals. So say that you have two meals that are really, really calorie rich, you're eating around 1200 calories or so. That can be damage controlled a lot more easily than three meals, because eating out is just so calorie rich. And so that's another thing that I like to do to stay in check. Um, the fourth thing here, that's the least important, but if I am going to have to make a choice between low carb and low fat, usually uh, low carb is a lot easier to come by at restaurants. So I'll try to have things like maybe a cut of meat and vegetables, if it seems feasible. Um, carbs are not as, as much needed when you're on vacation because you're not having those really glycogen demanding workouts like you're normally having probably when you're at home and at your local gym or whatever. So try to avoid carbs. If there's anything you're going to try to avoid to take some calories out of your meal, most of the time there's going to be something that you can get that's very delicious and it might be kind of high in fat, but you can mostly avoid carbs. But most of all, I guess that's, that's, that's more of a tip that I would say if you're on vacation for like three or four days, more than just a weekend, the most important thing and the thing that I always try to remember and tell clients, tell people that ask for advice is you just have to enjoy yourself. These vacation rules are not five steps that you have to follow or anything like that. And they're definitely not hard and fast. They're just guidelines. Vacation is about enjoying yourself and enjoying the company you're in. So most of all, you should keep that in mind and know that, I don't know, what does the average person maybe take two weeks of vacation in a year? So 14 days out of 365 is not even 4% guys. So, so don't stress out too much about it. Also don't try to pick out to the point where you eat or drink so much that you don't feel good. As long as you avoid that, you're going to damage control just innately. So let me know if you guys have any other questions. I know sometimes with these, I can kind of get all over the place, but I'm more happy. I'm more than happy to have a conversation with you. If you reach out on Instagram again at jakeparker.fit. Otherwise, please enjoy the rest of your week and I'll see you back here soon. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you would, please take a minute out of your day to review and rate the podcast as well as subscribe. It would really help me out a lot. And if you're on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on there at jakeparker.fit and screenshot and tag me when you're listening to the show. I'll be sure to share it. And thank you personally on there.